0: Welcome to Perfecting Your Practice, where we believe in a 360 degree approach to your success as a healthcare professional. I'm your host, Chris Panabianco, Chief Marketing Officer at Bankers Healthcare Group. And I want to welcome you back to the show. Um, you know, how do you know when the time is right to expand your practice? And what are the steps you have to take in order to get there? Every practice, no matter what specialty, like every business, is different with unique needs and factors that they have to consider. Hear the experience of one dentist who recently expanded his practice and how to accommodate that growth and really how to modernize your business, because at the end of the day, it is a business. Once again, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, we're talking with dentist Dr. Jake Rivercombe, who owns Rivercombe Dental Group here in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Dr. Jake, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Chris.
0: What our listeners are going to want to know, we're going to dive in deep to this topic, but before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about your background in the industry and a little bit more about you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in Manlius, which is a suburb of Syracuse. Um, My father was a dentist, so kind of somewhat knew what I was getting myself into. I used to assist for him in the summers, like when I was growing up, Um, and then went to school at Geneseo and ended up deciding to do dental school. At uh, University of Maryland, and then I ended up back uh, back in Syracuse for residency, and joined my father in year 2000 in his practice. Um, so it's a family practice. He started in 1973. Um, great practice, um, but certainly some things were outdated, and there was room for improvement. But I fortunately had a great place to start.
0: One of the biggest questions I know the people around my table here want to know. You went to Maryland. You're from Syracuse, so are you orange or are you a Terrapin?
1: Oh, definitely orange, hardcore.
0: There we go, and (laughs) we'll block this from any zip code in Maryland. We won't let anybody listen to it, so you won't be held accountable. All right. What was the best advice your dad gave you?
1: Um, You know, my dad never put a lot of pressure on me. He just sort of let me find my way. Um, But, you know, as far as running the business, I, I think he just sort of set the example of Um, you know, just being laid back, being understanding, um, just kind of doing whatever you possibly can for the patient and your employees and the rest just kind of falls into place, you know?
0: That's great advice. Uh, what, what do you think really made you become a dentist? Was it seeing that example from your dad? Uh, what, was there a moment in time that you said, you know, this is what I want to do with my life.
1: You know, there's a few things I always like to tinker. Like I was like to work on cars. I wanted to do something where I could use my hands, but at the same time, I really was drawn to healthcare. care. Um, I didn't really want to deal with life or death situations, and certainly the fact that I had the family business that definitely played a role, too.
0: Okay. Uh, quick side note, better car, 61 Corvette or 67 Shelby?
1: Ooh, that's tough. I uh, I would say the Corvette, but I'm a, I'm a Volkswagen guy, classic Volkswagen guy.
0: Fair enough. I have to do that because my father, he's a gearhead and he's got a 61 Vat and a 67 Shelby. So I try, I know he listens to these and he gives me a hard time for not mentioning that when people talk about cars. Um, so nice. you know, when it comes to being a dentist, what's the best part? Um,
1: I think it's its nice in that you can have a really good balance. You, know, you, you don't have to work 80 hours a week. Um, you kind of can run your own show um you can be there for all the family events, you know, any of the kids sporting events, I can be there for it. Um so I think it's just a good it's a good balance.
0: Okay. And what do you think are the biggest challenges you face both as a practice owner and as a dentist?
1: Um you know, as a practice owner, it's definitely uh managing people, you know. Um there's well 15 women I work with who are lovely, but there's definitely moments that are challenging. Um and then as far as the dentistry goes, I think it's uh, just managing patients' fear because almost everybody is fearful when they come in, so just trying to get them uh, to feel comfortable.
0: Have you noticed, has dentistry changed? Uh, obviously, technology has changed, and that that probably is a good and bad thing. Um, but ha- have you had any regulation or is it insurance reimbursements? Have there been any challenges there?
1: Um, you know, there's always new things that you got to kind of work around. Um, insurance you know does impact us not as much as the medical model, but certainly impacts us because reimbursements you know they keep getting lowered, and patients' benefits keep getting lowered, and their expectations keep getting raised. So you got to kind of be comfortable communicating that to patients, making them kind of understand that
0: as far as patient experience, we I read a lot, whether it's uh, dental products report or dental economics. It's become a bigger and bigger focus for dentists, especially the practice owners, that that patient experience now from you know the latest technology, the way you're marketing and getting the word out there, to a bigger point of your individual practice, uh, the experience for the patient when they come in. Uh, you recently built a bigger, more modern office. Can you walk us through that? When did you do that? And what was the thought process behind it?
1: Uh, So we moved in in November of 2017. So we've been there about a year and a half now. Um, It was kind of two and a half years in the working. Uh, One of the biggest holdbacks at our old place was just some basic stuff, like we were out of parking spaces. We were sharing space with another dentist, and it just was cramped. We didn't really have enough room. We didn't have handicap accessibility. Um, So a lot of those things we solved with the new place. We have tons of parking. It's ground level. You know, we do do some sedation dentistry, so now we can, you know, wheel people out with a wheelchair, which is, which is helpful. Um, So it's just a lot more patient centered the way we have it set up now.
0: When you planned that, was it something that took months? Was it years in the making? And what were the things that you had to account for in moving to that new practice?
1: Yeah, you know, it definitely took over two years to do the planning. A lot of that was, you know, location um, where I'm located on Manlius. There's not a lot of, you know, real estate choices. You know, I didn't really want to build from the ground up. And then I finally found a spot that I thought would be conducive for us to, you know, to renovate and move in as an old uh, medical office. Um, But it, it took a lot of planning. Fortunately, I worked with a dental design firm that. That's all this guy's done for 22 years is design and plan efficiencies in dental offices. So that was like a game changer. It's one of those things where it is a little bit of a bigger investment to hire a firm like that, but it makes all the difference in the world. They just know all those little things that I never would have thought of.
0: I want to touch on that for just a second and expand a little bit there. Is that something, did someone suggest that to you or did you get into the planning and realize, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm a dentist and I'm running a practice. I don't have time or experience to do this.
1: A little bit of both. You know, I've been, at the time I was working with a consultant, a growth consultant, and they kind of partnered with this group. So I had talked with people at some of the events that I went to. Um, But then I did try to work with like our local uh, dental supply company. They had someone who can help you design and it just wasn't working. I wasn't happy with everything. I didn't feel like it was efficient. So then I reached out to these other people and it was the best thing I ever did. You know, I did have to, you know, make a bigger investment to bring them in. But I think over the long haul, it's it's the best thing I could have done.
0: I would imagine your ROI is going to be significant having brought experts in. Um, You know, people that I've talked to, uh, a few of my friends are in the same industry. And if you'd be surprised how quickly you can lose money uh, by trying to do things yourself instead of relying on the experts.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. It's really, it pays not to be short-sighted, you know?
0: Yeah. Let me, so along the way. You're going into this new space. You've picked it out. Uh, What are some of the plans that you worked with these folks on? You know, again, the topic is really modernizing your office and your practice has to to really take into account growth and customer experience. What were some of the areas you focused on?
1: Um, You know, we made a lot of changes kind of in our check-in process, whereas now we have like a specified check-in area and then a specified checkout area that's You know, the checkout is both wheelchair and non-wheelchair accessible, whereas our old practice was all check in, check out, answer the phones, do everything, and it got crazy and loud. And, you know, now we're as much as possible trying to answer the phones away from the front desk just to kind of make sure the focus stays on the patient. You know, we have a nice, like, uh, coffee bar, beverage center as soon as the patients walk in. We have a fish tank, which I think helps a lot to just kind of soothe the especially the kids, you know, make them comfortable when they come in.
0: What kind of music are you playing? I've noticed, I, I take notes at every doctor's office. It seems like <laughs> it's the eighties music, it's elevator music or spa music.
1: I know, you know, we, we went a different route. We went with TVs, which uh, at our old place we did the music, but people really seem to like the TVs. It's, it's interesting. So we have one in the reception area. There's a lot of HD TV and the food network um, but in the patient chairs, I swear the people, especially the kids, they're just glued, you know. And we have like a ceiling mount that that is flexible, so we can bring it right close to the patient. Um, and that's been great. It's uh, it's been a that was a good thing to
0: do, I think. Are you accepting new patients? Yes, yeah, we <laughs> I mean, always are. <laughs> Perfect. I'll, yeah. I'll be I'll be in there next week. Um, my my dentist. Uh, does not have a TV overhead and she yells at me whenever I pick, take my phone out of my pocket oh that's funny was there anything you know specifically as you're going through the pro- process that you you discovered it changed your perception or something you thought you had to have within the practice as you worked with the consultants or as you you got to build the new experience was there something that you know our listeners might uh I, I I'm not sure of the proper terminology but they, they think that they have to have it in their practice or they have to do it a certain way that you realized, you know what, I really don't have to do it this way.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, one thing we went back and forth on a lot was nitrous oxide. I mean, this is kind of industry specific, but you know, we, we ended up piping it all in, which is, you know, a huge expense. And that's the only thing I wonder if I really needed to do, cause you can get like a portable nitrous oxide unit that's you know, about a 10th of the cost, but, uh, you know, the flip side of the coin, I'm going to have that for hopefully the next 30 years of my career. And, um, so I have that comes to mind.
0: Is the typical practice, as you said, you moved, it took two years of planning, but what do you think is the lifespan of a practice before you have to either do the facelift to the lobby or the customer experience and, and the equipment as well Is it, are these all different things that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, I think as far as like the facelift to the actual space, I think that's maybe like a seven to eight year thing as far as like carpeting and wall coverings. But, you know, the actual leasehold improvements to the space itself, I think is more of like a 20 to 25 year deal, unless you're going to expand or, you know, change the scope of your practice.
0: What advice would you give to anyone listening that is either thinking about going into practice and getting their first location or someone who's looking for like you to expand and take that next step to accommodate growth or to, to create growth?
1: I think it's really important to have a strategic plan kind of lined up for like the next five years. Cause a lot of people make the mistake of, you know, not planning for the future. Um, so we did actually do that. Like we, you know, we built out nine operatories, but we have capability to go to 13. So those other, um, operatories are kind of part of our conference room right now. So we have like a massive training conference room right now, which is wonderful. You know, it's great for doing like community events or any sort of education with our team. But we have that ability if need be, if all of a sudden we have more growth or if my son wants to come into the business, which he says he does, we, we would have the space to to grow more.
0: That's great. and I would assume it's a big topic of conversation at the holiday table uh, in the Rivercombe household. Uh, how, how old is your son?
1: Uh, he's just about to turn 16.
0: Oh, great. So he, he's right on that border. It, just for people listening to educate myself, is that the time where you became interested? You knew that that's what you wanted to do and you start looking towards specialized schooling?
1: No, not at all. I mean, I didn't really decide till like my junior year of college, but he's it's interesting. He said for a long time he wanted to do it. And but he's now he's dead serious. He has everything planned out where he wants to go to school. And um, you know, there's there's like at University of Buffalo, they have a program where you can do it in seven years if you plan ahead, um, instead of eight. So he already has it planned out to go there and you know, so it's it's kind of cool how that's great. How his mind works.
0: What advice would you give to Uh, dentists that are either coming out of school or have just started in the industry. What, what's some advice, some growth, things to look out for. uh, You know, if, if, if you yourself could give, you know, the younger Dr. Revercom advice, what would you say?
1: You know, I think continuing education is key early on. It's hard to make that investment, but I think it really pays off. Um, And I think just being open to new ideas, you know, I, I teach at the residency program up at, uh, upstate and I love it, but, uh, you know, I've found like over the last five or six years, there's, you know, there's less involvement from the residents. And I think a lot of it, to be honest with you, is YouTube. Um, cause they learn so much stuff from there, but I think just, you know, picking the brains of, uh, you know, people that have walked the walk and just trying to learn as much as you can, even if you already feel like you kind of know how to do it. Cause there's always different ways to do it, you know?
0: Are there certain uh, seminars or continuing education uh, that are either national or regional that you consistently go to that you would recommend?
1: Yeah, there's uh, like Gordon Christensen's a big name in dentistry. Um, he's been around forever, but he just sort of lectures on every single topic. Um, I'm real involved in dental implants, so there's like this uh, International Congress of Oral Implantologists that I belong to, and they have a great meeting. Um, and then there's some great. Uh, um consultants as far as growing your practice uh jay geyer's scheduling institute that's the one that that I use to uh consult with um as far as the growth and the strategic plan and and all that they've been
0: really good. that's excellent and how did you find them?
1: um just sort of reading different publications actually when i uh when my father left the practice or was retiring, I was trying to decide what to do. I wanted to hire a consultant and so i interviewed three or four and i was most impressed with them and so i've worked with them for oh i think like 5 years now
0: okay just to kind of end what was the transition like cuz again it sounds from talking to you you took over for your father your son is now getting involved what what does that transition look like
1: it, you know it it was actually pretty smooth it's uh you know i think the probably most challenging part is just patient's acceptance, you know, I mean, I'm fortunate to have the family name. So you get some trust right off the bat, but there's still, people are really loyal to their dentists, you know? So there was just trying to convince patients that they can trust me and, you know, to want to deviate from seeing my father is, is challenging, but what worked really well for me was just kind of taking on some procedures that he didn't want to do anymore. Um, like he didn't like doing extractions or root canals and I actually did. So, then, you know, they would see me and give me a try. And then, you know, then they'd be more comfortable seeing me.
0: Uh, That's great. And I think that comfort level, now that I think, now that you mention it, and I think about it, the dentist, it's a very intimate relationship. You know, you're trusting. (laughs) It's not the easiest thing when you have a toothache or something bad is going on. You're putting a lot of trust in your dentist. Have you seen the dental patient and dentist relationship change over the years?
1: Um, you know, I do think in general, the, the fear has gone down some since I started, there's still a lot of anxiety, but I think, uh, you know, I think we cater to it more. I think the anesthetics have gotten better. There's like, uh, oral conscious sedation. So there's a lot of, you know, minimally invasive ways to kind of make it a better experience.
0: That's great. You know, one of the things that I think the theme today has really been evolution, the evolution of dentistry, of running a practice, of managing a practice, and really trying to bring it full circle and create this ecosystem that allows for a good patient experience, your ability to run a good business, and to ultimately provide great care that keeps patients coming back. Um, Dr. Rivercombe, in wrapping up, you know, what's one thing our listeners should take away from our discussion today, whether it be about managing practice expansion or just general dentistry uh, as you see it?
1: Well, I think, you know, dentistry is in a good place. I think it's a good, good industry. Um, As far as growth, you know, if you're trying to grow your practice, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, taking it a little bit slow, making sure you have a plan, making sure you're partnering with the right people that, have been through it before and can help you. Um, I think that's really the key.
0: Excellent. Well, Dr. Jake, I want to thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, Best of luck with the new practice, and uh, I will be calling next week um, to see what you can do for me. Um, So I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: All right. Thanks, Chris
0: that wraps up our show for today. Appreciate y'all tuning in. If you have any thoughts, comments, or opinions, please shoot me an email at podcast at bhg-inc.com. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great weekend and enjoy your day.